The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now... Here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome to BizLocker Radio. Great to have you on board, and what a show that we have lined up for you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, you can always find us at bizlockerradio.com, the show brought to you by the Business Locker Room. And we have got a lot of things working today, a lot of moving parts. I'm excited about it. First off, if you're not on Blab, you need to be on Blab. You need to join us there, and our show will be both on Blab and, of course, we're pre-recording for BizLocker Radio on Monday, so I'm excited about that. So if you're hearing it uh, on Monday, it's actually a pre-record. It'll be available as a podcast as well. We're really excited to get things moving. Hey, you're in the right place. The business radio show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to make a difference in your performance today. Whether you own a business, sell a product, manage a team, lead a company, this is the show for you. We have experts like we do today Mike Weinberg in sales, but we also do marketing, social media, business strategy, leadership, and much, much more. And this is the place that you can find it. Biz Locker Radio. I'm your host. I'm Kelly Riggs. You can follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. Miles Austin, my intrepid co-host from Seattle. He'll be along a, a little bit later to do the X's and O's segment. We're going to talk about the social selling index. Hey, we might have to have uh, Mike stick around and talk about the social selling index with us as we do that. But uh, hey, you want to do like I do, by the way. This is such a great show. Quality guests. I ask the questions. I get out of the way and let the guests carry the show. You're going to get a lot of incredible content, and you can hear it again and again on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Find it, and then you'll be able to catch uh, all the content over and over again. Well, as I mentioned, show Number 74 for me and Miles Austin, BizLocker Radio, and our guest today is, is a guy that really doesn't need an introduction. His name is Mike Weinberg, and by the way, if you are joining us on Blab, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this brand new book, Sales Management Simplified. Everybody's got one but Weinberg. I don't, he's giving them all away. <laughs> Interesting thought. But uh, Oh, there it is. All right, so if you're joining us on Blab, you can see, hey, this is a must-read book. Now, look. A lot of people say that about a lot of books because they want to prop a guy up or they want to you know, do something uh, for, for him in a nice way. I'm going to tell you, I've read the book. This is a screaming good book. Five stars, highest recommendation, and we're going to give you pieces and parts of it in today's show. Mike Weinberg, he started off with New Sales Simplified, and that was a blockbuster book. He's very, very well known in the industry, but a top producing salesperson in three different companies, 
spent five years in consulting and five years leading sales organizations before he started New Sales Coach in late 2010. And here's what I like about Mike. He's blunt, he's frank, but he gets it. And if you want to improve the, the kind of performance that your sales teams are getting, you need to add these books to your list. Hey, Mike, great to have you from St. Louis, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's a beautiful fall day, Kelly. Thanks for having me on the show again. Great to be back. Yeah, super deal. So you launched your book, what, uh, about two weeks ago now? Yeah, you know, you, when you, you don't really have a lot of control with Amazon when the book's going to come out. But, yeah, they snuck up on us and started shipping books a little bit early, and it's off to a great start. So we are excited. Yeah, I would say it's off to a great start. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, all of the people in the industry are reviewing it, and it's getting solid reviews across the board. And again, my highest recommendation, I mean it sincerely, fantastic book. I love your style. I like the way you talk about things. I like the way you tackle some of the really tough topics that are out there. So I, I, I want to dig in, but before we do, take me on a really short journey. How did you get to this book? Why did you feel compelled to write it? You know, it's it's funny you start with that. I I, I wrote it because I was compelled to write it. Frankly, I did not want to do another book. Uh, I'm plenty busy trying to help sales teams develop new business and uh, speaking and coaching from the new sales simplified content. But the reality is that when I got into coaching and consulting, particularly the first time, I was young and naive, and I thought that I could transform sales organizations by coaching salespeople to sell better. And if I just coached up everybody on all the basic stuff that's a new sales simplified, that I would create lasting impact on sales teams. And I was wrong. And, and the thing I didn't understand as a young man that hit me in the face was what, which compelled me to write this book, is that you don't transform sales organizations from the bottom by improving the salespeople. Sure, you, you can improve a handful of folks and make them more effective sellers, but if you don't deal with sales leadership and culture and talent management, you're not changing anything for the long term. So the reality is what I was seeing in client after client after client, where I was brought in to help improve their sales performance, very often, the issues with the sales organization were with the person who brought me in in the first place or the people above them. And the, and the sales problem, you know, little air quotes there, um, was not always something you could lay at the feet of the sales team and the sales people, but it was the manager and the executive over sales that were getting in the way of the team winning. Hey, if you're just joining us, Mike Weinberg joins me on the 74th episode of Biz Locker Radio. You can find him, by the way, if you don't already know about him, at newsalescoach.com. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Read his blog. Fantastic. At Mike Weinberg, there's an underscore between Mike and Weinberg, and it's great to have Mike on board with us on Biz Locker Radio. Well, let's dive into the book because you really, you really start to break up some of the sacred cows that are involved in that whole process. And one of the first things you tackle, chapter one of the first few chapters, is that a sales culture without goals is really a non-starter. It is, it is hard for me to perceive at my age, having grown up in the sales business now three decades, that you could actually have sales departments without goals. But it's become something that's fairly common out there. Surprisingly so. Uh, it's, it, it's more often than you realize I go into an organization and the salespeople can't articulate for me their clear goals, what they're being accountable to hit. And sometimes it's not just the revenue goal. It could be a number of new accounts acquired in a particular year. Um, if, you don't, if you don't measure, if you don't report, you know, you know the old expression, what gets measured gets done. Absolutely. Uh, there's a whole lot of organizations that aren't measuring and reporting right now. And, and I don't know exactly what happens. Some of it is this new paternalistic I'd almost say communistic approach to leadership where we don't want to call anybody out or make anybody feel bad. But I don't know when it became politically incorrect to publish and distribute sales reports 
and sales rankings. But I think that's, frankly, one of the best ways to keep people focused on goals and results. Just put the sales report out there and let, let the chips fall where they may. I'm not for embarrassing people publicly and, and calling out their performance, you know, like in a group setting. But for goodness sakes, it's sales. If, it, if it's not about goals and results, then what is it about? So absolutely, publish and, and distribute sales reports. And that's not happening as often. Uh, lack of goals and, and lack of uh, distributed sales reports not happening as often as you think it should be. Yeah, and, and it shocks me because I've worked with companies where I've said, so show me who's on top, show me who's doing what, uh, give me a sense of who's meeting their numbers and who's not. And the answer is something like this. Listen, Kelly, we, that's old school. We really can't do that anymore. I mean, you can't embarrass people like that. I'm like, embarrassed? I don't care about embarrassed. I want to know what it takes to get to the top of the heap. And if you're not hiring people like that, why are, why are they in sales to begin with? I mean, that, to me, it's counterintuitive. Perfect, Kelly. I mean, first of all, good salespeople are competitive. Uh, second of all, here's the reality. Everyone else in the company, their livelihood depends on the sales force doing their job and doing it well. In large companies, sometimes what, what percent of the company is in sales? 5%, 10%? We need those people to do their job and deliver the goods. Um, I, I do think, you know, and this, this, this is something I, I mentioned in, in that chapter in the book, Something happened when we had the financial meltdown and the markets crashed and business slowed in a lot of industries, particularly uh, marketing and heavy equipment, industrial companies. I mean, I, you, you saw this, especially in Oklahoma. I saw this here sure. in the Midwest, too. We, we, have, we had companies that were off 40%, 50%. So they kind of got away from publishing sales reports because it was depressing. No one was making their quota, and they didn't want to make people embarrassed. And, and I, I understand that we were in a unique crisis. But if you look back, I mean, oh, nine, that's five, six years ago now, right? When we were dealing right, with that. Right. It's time to get back on the accountability bandwagon. And here's the deal. If you're on the bottom of the sales report, I don't want you to be comfortable. Let's just be frank. If you're on the bottom, you either need to be uncomfortable to the level that you're going to change your behavior to move up the rankings or uncomfortable enough. I'd like you to deselect yourself and take yourself out. Go, go somewhere else and fail because we need people in, in our sales jobs that are going to bring in revenue because we've got a company we're trying to grow. Well, I know both you and I are sports fans. Miles is a big sports fan as well, joining us here on Blab. You know, I can't imagine our, our cards, unfortunately, you live in St. Louis, but our card, our cards got knocked out of uh, the baseball playoffs. Can you imagine uh, one of the players saying, you know, really, I don't want my stats out there because it's a little embarrassing to me. You know, I'm, I'm not performing the way I should. Look, you get paid to perform so we're going to analyze your numbers. Well, salespeople are no different. You get paid to perform. And if you're embarrassed about being analyzed, then you're just probably in the wrong profession in my book. Totally agree. And I would say, Kelly, I take that another level. I, I, the same truth applies to sales management. Just like salespeople mm. really aren't paid to work. Right? I'm really not interested in how many hours a salesperson works unless they're totally flubbing and failing and I'm trying to figure out what's wrong when it comes down to work ethic. Same thing holds for sales management. There's a whole lot of sales managers right now running around with their hair on fire, living in a completely overwhelmed state, working 80 hours a week. They get 250 emails a day. They're sitting in corporate meetings. They're buried in all kinds of stuff. But you know what they're not working on? They're not working on stuff that moves the revenue needle. They're not leading good team meetings. They're not working in the field. They don't meet with their people one-on-one. -on -one. They're too busy sometimes to even do coaching or do strategy calls or even take calls from their own salespeople because they're doing all kinds of other corporate nonsense. 
that's a disaster. Because sales managers, hear me. You are not paid to work. You are not paid to be busy. You are paid to drive results through your people. That's the number one objective. And somehow, in the name of being lean today, where we've got everyone doing four jobs in these bigger companies, that's gotten lost. People have forgotten. Primary job, lead the team, drive revenue. Absolutely correct. Mike Weinberg is my guest. Again, find him at newsalescoach.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Weinberg with an underscore between Mike and Weinberg. Here's his brand new book. It's called Sales Management Simplified. If you don't have a copy, you're already behind your competitors. You better make sure you grab one today. It is definitely worth the read. It's not fluff. I mean, you, you five minutes with Mike Weinberg, you know you're not going to get fluff. You're going to get the real truth. And it is amazing. I had, uh, I had breakfast with you a couple of weeks ago in St. Louis on the way through to Chicago. Chicago. It is amazing how consistent we think about certain things. And it makes me crazy to have the conversation with a salesperson that says, hey, I'm working as hard as I can. What, what do you want me to do? I'm like you. I really don't care how hard you work. I care about the results you produce. Now, I know this. Hard work typically goes with strong results, but you can't fall back on how hard you work when you're failing to hit your numbers. But you've taken it to another level. You've taken that to the sales manager level, too. And to me, that's critical. Yeah, it's interesting, Kel, that you bring that up because I'm, I'm spending a lot of time with executives and sales managers trying to help them refocus on their high-value activities. And one of the ways we're doing that is talking about the importance of a regular, scheduled, formal, one-on-one meeting between the manager and every salesperson. And I strongly suggest that happens on a monthly basis. And for remote people, it could take place by phone. With local folks, obviously, you can do that face-to-face. But in 15 or 20 minutes a month, you can have a serious, results-focused accountability meeting with every salesperson. And what, what I find in a lot of companies is that they're managing activity before they're managing results. In other words, they care more about the, the level of activity, hitting certain call volumes, more than they're looking at, at hitting sales quota. And uh, what, nobody likes to be micromanaged, right? I, I mean, I work for a guy named Donnie. I mentioned him probably 20 times in the book. He was my sales management mentor, had a huge impact on me. And he, before we were business partners, he was my sales manager. And even though I was the number one guy in my company, every single month he'd come down to my office and close the door and meet with me. And he would go through this sales management accountability progression. He'd look at my results against goal, against last year, against the rest of the team. And then if he was really happy with the results and I was blowing the numbers away, he'd go, go get him, kid, you're doing great. But if the results weren't awesome, then he would dive into the pipeline and go to the next level and go, all right, you didn't hit your numbers or you're not where you need to be, what's coming? And this is, you know, back in the day, pre-CRM, we actually had to talk to each other to find out what you were looking <laughs> You, know, and he, you he, actually he literally, had to have a real conversation, right? He would carry around a, a yellow legal pad. Now, uh, for those of you watching on Blab, I'll, I'll do this for fun. Donnie would come to my office, and he had his cheaters, his reading glasses, down on the end of his nose like this. And he'd go, Mike, how you doing? And then he goes, you know what? Don't tell me. I'll tell you how you're doing. And he would look down at the sales report. <laughs> and then he would, he would pull out his yellow pad with the deals that were brewing from last month. And he'd say, okay, where are you late? What, what's coming? Uh, you said this was going to close. It didn't close. Because if you can't, you know, you can't fix the past, but you certainly can fix the future. So his progression was results first, then pipeline. And then if, he, if your results weren't there and your pipeline was weak, then the manager's got no place else to go but dive into activity. And that's when he, he would get really 
really nasty. And he would look, look at me, get your calendar, get your account list, what did you do last month, and who are you going to call on this month? Because your results aren't there, your pipeline's weak, what do you want me to do, dude? It's, it comes down to your work ethic and, and the number of appointments you're having. So I'm all for accountability, but I'm really trying to help sales managers stop, and, and especially in some of the companies I work with where they've got an over-involved founder, CEO, entrepreneur, who feels like he's got to get call reports from every salesperson on every sales call. And I think that's, that's frankly the wrong guy to be getting call reports every day. Yes. But th- there are guys like that that are more concerned with activity than they are with results. So I think I beat that point pretty well. Let's start with results and then work our way into managing uh, activity. Well, we're going to come back after the break in a few minutes. I want to dive into the one-on-one meetings that you're talking about because, to me, this is the real critical cornerstone of effective sales management. You create accountability simply by setting clear objectives and expectations and reviewing them on a regular basis. In 1981, or 84, rather, when I started with a company, uh, the guy that taught me one-on-one meetings, I still remember his phone number. I used to have to call him at 8.30 in the morning on Monday morning every single week. 505-265-4104. 505-265-4104. Yes, that's Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, this is okay. 25, is awesome. 30 years ago, right? I called him every week, and the first question out of his mouth after a little bit of small talk was, tell me about last week. And, and, and I better have something because much like Donnie, he knew what I was doing, and he knew exactly where I needed to go. He knew what the numbers looked like, but he was going to give me the opportunity to be involved. Those one-on-one meetings, Mike, I, I, what I hear over and over, and I'll bet you hear the same thing, is I'm already working 60 hours a week, Mike. When am I going to find time to have a one-on-one meeting? And Do you hear that as well? Oh, yeah. It, it's a total – Well, that, and there's a lot of causes for that. Uh, we have companies that forget the sales manager's job, so they bury them with all kinds of crap, drag them to all kinds of meetings, make them do all kinds of admin. So it, it, in, some, in some cases, it's not always the sales manager's fault. It's the, the executive they report to or the company that's burying them. A lot of times, though, it's also the manager who has forgotten his job, who grabs the fire hose and the fire chief's helmet at every opportunity to try to solve some problem in the company, or it's the control freak sales manager that wants to be the hero and insert himself in the middle of every deal to kind of get his fingerprints on there. Right. He wants the credit or he, he wants to kind of make sure everything's going exactly the way he wants it. So he's filling up his calendar with all kinds of stuff so he can't get to the one-on-ones. I would tell you, I don't think there's one single thing uh, a sales manager can do that would be more effective and more transformative to the culture than run a great monthly one-on-one meeting with every single salesperson. And I, I, I expected this when I was in sales. Frankly, I loved it. I knew every month Donnie was going to come kick my butt. And I had to face the music. And, and I'm saying, I was number one of 15 guys in this company. I didn't really need someone to do this, but I, I appreciated it. And Donnie wasn't going to let me slack just because I was the number one guy. Every person, all 15, had that one-on-one. And you're going to face the music, and he was going to put your results in your face, examine your pipeline, and if that didn't look good, he was going to ask about activity. And I'm telling you, I've seen it happen, especially in some small companies where there's like a president who's playing part-time sales manager, and they don't really have the time to you know, do full-time sales management. But I'm like, you've got 15 minutes a month per person. What would happen if you actually had that kind of meeting? What message would you send? And then last point on this, look at um, the benefit from doing this consecutively month after month. After, you know, you meet with Johnny, the underperformer, three months in a row, and Johnny's sales results aren't there. And Johnny hasn't added anything new to his pipeline or moved deals forward. And then you're looking at Johnny's activity, and it's not really producing anything. Let me ask you a question, Cal. I mean, how many months does the manager, are you going to let Johnny come in your office and, and tell you he's got nothing for you before you decide, 
Johnny needs to be on a performance improvement plan or Johnny needs to go somewhere else because he's uh, killing you. Yeah, right? perfect segue. Let's let's break right there. We're long on a break for the pre-record on uh, BizLocker Radio. I want to take a timeout, and we'll come back on the other side. We're going to dive into that one deep because the challenge that I see across organizations wide, not just with sales departments, is the inability to deal with performance issues. Hey, you've been listening to Mike Weinberg. He's joining us live on Blab from St. Louis. Miles Austin will be along with the X's and O's segment later in the show. Let's take a quick time out, pay some bills. We'll come back on the other side. This is BizLocker Radio. I'm Kelly Riggs. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, and welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. Thanks for joining us. Great shows lined up in the future, by the way. Man, what a run we are on as we continue to put some really great shows together. Had Jeb Blunt on with his brand new book, Fanatical Prospecting, a couple of weeks ago. Mark Hunter was with me last week. Yeah, Mike Weinberg's got a copy. Is that a fantastic book or what? Fanatical Prospecting. Next week. Joe Polizzi will join me on November the 2nd. We do it every Monday, 3 p.m. He's with Content Marketing Institute. He's got a brand new book out called Content Inc., by the way. Then Oren Cloth, the author of Pitch Anything, one of the best interviews I've ever had. He's going to come back and join me again. And then Mark Roberts, the, the uh, CRO of HubSpot, he'll be along and we'll talk more about Sales Acceleration Formula, his book that came out earlier this year. My guest today on episode number 74 of BizLocker Radio is Mike Weinberg. Brand new book, Sales Management Simplified, and I kid you not, this is a game-changing book. I know a lot of people say that kind of nonsense about books, and we get them written on the back here and all the testimonials. But listen, if you're a guy that's been in the trenches and you've managed sales teams, you will get two chapters into this thing and realize that you're reading something really different and really impactful. And we've had this conversation uh, with Mike going a little bit now, but let's dive into this idea of dealing with performance issues. You asked me a great question. How long would I be willing to accept in a, in a monthly one-on-one? I got to tell you, our methodology is a little different because my one-on-ones are weekly. And I, you know, you do it weekly and a lot of people say, we don't have time for that, Mike, but, but they do, they find it, they get it back in spades on the back end. But I'm not going to sit and have these conversations more than three or four times without some significant changes in activity and you've got to go, but it just, it just seems to be a problem with addressing performance issues. What do you see out in the field? I, I agree. It is, it is an issue. Um, and I, I, some of it comes down to the fact that we've got sales managers in roles today that were never mentored how to, how to lead people. 
uh, and for a lot of reasons, they're you know they're analysts and they they live as desk jockeys with their heads buried in CRM screens, or they try to lead their team by sending threatening emails. I mean, there's there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. There are also folks that that um, were good salespeople who got promoted to sales manager, and they're highly relational, but they're low conflict. So they don't like having the hard conversation. I've got several clients right now that were the recently promoted sales managers, uh, you know, salespeople recently promoted a manager, and they're having a tough time making the transition where they're still playing sales superhero, and they'd rather not have that hard conversation with someone that used to be their peer. Here's what I, I suggest when it comes to underperformance. At some point, when you're monitoring results and you're having legitimate accountability, you come to the conclusion that this person is not getting it done and their performance is no longer acceptable. And at that point, you need to have the meeting, and it should be very easy at that point. You don't have to have a lot of bad language and flailing and spitting and emotion. You just sit the person down and go, listen, for three months in a row or whatever it is, we've looked at this. Your results aren't there. Your pipeline is not growing, so it doesn't look like the next few months are going to be healthy. We've got a problem. I need you to understand this level of performance is not acceptable. And if the person you're talking to, you have a heart for, and you feel like they potentially could be a keeper, because not everyone's going to be an A player, but if they're operating in C, C minus land, and we can get them to B minus, I'll take that, right? I mean, that's probably someone I'm willing to keep on my team, because there is a shortage of, of sales talent today. So at that point, I'm creating what I call an informal remediation. I'm in the process of now coaching up or coaching out this person, and I'm going to make it really clear that this person, you're on a plan, and this is not acceptable, but I'm at this point still very much trying to help this person succeed. I'm going to ask for some more uh, details in writing. I'm going to uh, lay out very specific expectations of what needs to happen. It might not even be revenue. It might be number of legitimate meetings or opportunities created that get added to the pipeline. And if I, if I like this person and I think they could succeed, I may travel with them more or sit in their office more if they're in inside sales, and I will coach and I will critique and I will challenge and I will encourage for some period of time. Maybe it's 60 days you give them on this you know, performance improvement, you know, informal remediation. And at that point, you're going to know. You've given them every chance and you've coached them and you've helped them and you directed them and you really ramped up accountability. And if, if a person is going to make it, you're going to know. And if they don't improve, you also know that at that point, it's over. And you go into some companies have a formal termination process where it takes longer. In other places, they can just cut the person right there. But I, my conscience is clean. If you put someone on an informal yep. remediation and do coach up, coach out, and you really invest in them to, to help and they can't do it, at that point, you owe it to them and you owe it to the company and you owe it to yourself to make a move because nobody's winning at that point. So that's kind of my take on how, how I deal with underperformance. You bet. Mike Weinberg, best-selling author, on board with us today. Episode number 74 of Biz Locker Radio. You know, it, it's interesting you say that because I took a client through this exact process just recently and, and took one of their salespeople through it. And, and here's how it ended for us. After uh, looking at activity that was not producing results and they were clearly frustrated, we looked at that individual, Mike, and said, Here's what you need to do today. You need to take the rest of the day off, and you need to go sit and talk to people that you trust and that you believe in, and you need to discuss this situation with them, and you need to decide for yourself, are you in the right opportunity? Because if you're not in the right opportunity, it's not good for us. It's not good for you. You've got to be happy in the whole process. His first remark to me, Mike, was, well, I've never been fired before. He said, well, I'm not going to fire you. I'm going to ask you to make a decision on whether or not you want to continue in an opportunity that clearly 
you're not enjoying. If you're not enjoying it, just make the decision. I'll help you find the right opportunity. He quit later that day, and we helped him find a better opportunity. Amen. And, you know, some of that we have the wrong people in the wrong roles, and sometimes Absolutely. there's just underperformance. But, Kelly, you and I see this in our clients all the time. Um, I don't think there's enough energy being spent on the front end in defining sales roles clearly. A lot of companies take the easy way out, and they've got a one-size-fits-all approach to talent management. In fact, I've got a, a chapter uh, in the first part of the book that talks about examples of where I go in companies and they see it's one role. And the truth is, we're not all wired the same. God made us all differently. Some of us are high conflict. Some are low conflict. Some people are built to hunt and love to go kill stuff. Other people are zookeepers. They want to nurse the baby animal and get the baby bottle out and pet them and love them. Well, we had a lot of zookeepers in, in sales roles, and we're asking them to pick up a weapon and go kill something. That's not in their DNA, right? It doesn't, the hunter-farmer thing is, you know, is one thing I've kind of upgraded to talk about hunter versus zookeeper. And you think of the difference of a guy who's wired to go kill stuff and who loves that and doesn't want to clean the animal pen and feed them and pet them and make nice. They want to go kill stuff. And then we got guys that love to babysit the animal and care and nurture and service. And I think we make the mistake of thinking one guy can do everything. And I, I'm regularly at least challenging my client executives to just take a look at the roles. What would happen? What would really happen if you freed up your one or two precious, uh, perfect sales hunters so they, they could spend more time actually hunting instead of cleaning and cooking and doing all that stuff? And what if we stopped asking zookeepers to go hunt and, and gave them more stuff to manage and nurture because that's in their DNA? Wouldn't we be better off? I mean, I, that's a question. It's not an easy question to answer, but I wish more people would ask it. Yeah, absolutely right, because that's what leadership looks like. It's not just occupying a slot with a title, but it's actually finding out what people are good at and letting them do more of that each and every day. I, I know I've had a multiple of sales jobs in three and a half decades, and there were a couple, Mike, frankly, I didn't like a whole lot. So I moved on to something that made a lot more sense. Hey, Chris Yates joins us here on Blab, and I think maybe he's got a question for you. So the question that Chris posed was, you know, when you've got the, that – somebody in the wrong slot, how important is it for somebody to have that 30,000-foot view to make sure we're working in the right slots? That's a great question. Oh, I love Chris's question. I resonate. Chris was also talking about he's more of a free spirit and creative and loves to be on the run and doesn't do too well with details and administration. Uh, Chris and I might be related. You know, yes, it's a huge deal. And because what happens when we, when we try to put everyone in the same role, we're not getting the best of anybody. You end up with this kind of middle, middle ground average. The, the, that company I was describing earlier where I, where I work for Donnie, and I was the number one sales guy. Here's the honest truth. They helped me be the number one sales guy because very early on in my time there, they realized I was really good at bringing in new business and not so good at managing projects and details. And right. there, weren't, there weren't enough hunters in the company. So what did, the, what did Donnie and the ownership of the company do? They go, you know what, young man, you can hunt. We're going to put the very best support team around you we've ever created, the smartest account managers that are so good at dealing with projects and managing relationships. You're going to spend 80% of your time calling new people, get out of the office, get on airplanes, go find this business. And everybody won in that, in that situation, Kelly. It's like Chris was talking about. What would happen if Chris was freed up that he could spend 80% of his time creating and doing things on the fly instead of getting sucked back into detail, project management, admin, 
I'm not good at that stuff. So it was um, everybody won. The account managers on my team loved it because nobody was asking them to hunt. We split the commission because it was in everybody's best interest, right? I, I got sure. my share for bringing in the account. They got their share for growing it. We all worked in alignment. They were working in their area of giftedness. I was working in mine. Sales went through the roof. The customer loved it because I told them on the front end, and I always caution salespeople when you're selling it like a team, don't let the customer fall in love with you when you're the hunter. Let them know right up front, I've got a team that's going to manage this relationship. They're much better than at me than at the day-to-day stuff. And it's amazing how much everyone wins. The customer wins, the company wins, the account manager wins, and the hunter wins when you get people doing what they're good at. Yeah, man, that, and that's what real leadership corporately looks like when you've got somebody that has the strategic vision for how things are going to go and how it's going to work. Mike Weinberg joins us. And once again, the author of Sales Management Simplified. Don't miss him online, please. NewSalesCoach.com. Read his blog. Sign up for the things that he's got. A lot of resources on his website. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Weinberg. Put an underscore between Mike and Weinberg. Well, before you get away, one of the things, I've got about three minutes left here, but before you get away, one of the things that creates a real problem is when we're asking a sales manager to do way more than just manage the sales team. You alluded to that earlier, but so many sales managers look around and by the time you add up all the hours they put in reports and every other thing on the planet, including maybe cleaning the restrooms, they don't even have time to be managers. That goes one level above them, Mike. How do you deal with that situation? It's very hard, and that's part of where I'm having a very hard conversations with senior executives. And that's why in some chapters in the book, I was so harsh. And there are going to be some people that read the book not going to be so happy with me. I didn't name <laughs> names, but when they read it, they're going to know what they're talking about. And I, I tell this one story of this poor director of sales who was buried, and he had 22 direct reports, and the company made him go to like six mandatory meetings a week that had nothing to do with sales at all. And he was getting hundreds of emails required his response. And he was never getting out in the field. He was never having one-on-one accountability meetings. He wasn't sure his people were targeting the right people. And it wasn't his fault. And it's funny, in that, that company, there was a sign in the men's room, uh, and which, I, which is bizarre. In fact, I, I tell the story in the book, and I, I tweeted a picture of this. Uh, the managers in this company were so overworked and so overwhelmed. There was a sign in the men's room on, on the wall that said, um, it is against state, federal, and local laws to consume food or beverages in a restroom. Please cooperate with these ordinances. <laughs> and I laughed. I said, "This company is trying to run so lean, and it's 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 you know burying their manager so bad that they're trying to combine their lunch break and their pee break into the same thing in the bathroom." I'm like, "Why would you even have that on the wall?" But the point was, this poor guy, he was the sales manager, but they weren't letting him manage sales. He was in every executive committee meeting, and a production planning meeting, and a quality meeting, and a strategy meeting, and he got all these production emails and quality issues. The guy didn't, he was doing none of the high value activities that move the needle, as we've been talking about one on one sales team meetings, field work. Those three things are what really move the needle for a sales leader. So it's, and it wasn't his, he didn't know he was supposed to be doing those things, which is why I was hired to help him. But the truth was, he couldn't get to them because his company didn't understand. And unfortunately, and this is why I'm, I'm, I'm begging salespeople to buy this book and give it to senior executives. And if you get fired, I'll send you $100. I mean, if, it, it, there's, there's no reason <laughs> that you, you if, I, I wrote in the introduction to the book to executives, if your salespeople gave you this book, get mad at me, don't get mad at them. They must yeah, really want to succeed if they have the guts to ask you to read this. So, um, yes. Sales managers got to do their day job first. 
You know, I, we're, we're down to about 90 seconds, and, and I'm, Chris Yates sends a, a great comment I'm going to share with you here in just a moment. But it's really interesting because you think about the word salesman, and there are so many CEOs or general managers who think that means one thing. In the reality, sales are all over the board. You've described a number of roles, a number of different things that people do. And, and being the person that can put those people in the right place is really good. 60 seconds, Mike. Chris says a buddy of mine would go to events at night to sporting events to sell to major clients, but the boss wanted him at 8 a.m. You know, the guy's out there working long past the hours, but by God, if you're not in here at 8 a.m., you're not doing your job. Right? I mean, it's just nonsensical. Nonsensical. You're looking at the wrong things. I have, I have clients like that, too, where the salespeople are gone for three days or they're at a trade show over a weekend and the boss wants them there early the next morning. That's stupid. They have no respect for sale. That's an anti-sales attitude. Judge yes. results and pipeline. Don't look at when people are working. It, it takes care of itself. You want them out at night entertaining. You want the guy on the trade show, and you don't know what I'm doing over the weekend when I'm thinking, I'm planning, I'm getting ready. So, don't don't be don't be looking at people like that. We live in a new world. We are all hyper connected to this thing. We're addicted. Yes. We're working a ridiculous number of hours. That's childish management. That's control freak micromanagement crap. You don't want to work for someone like that. Absolutely. It looks like Mike is updating the iOS on his Apple phone. He's got it plugged in over there and it's working. Hey, it's been a great conversation. By the way, Mike, we're going to take our second time out, finish out the show with the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. Love to have you stick around. We're going to talk about the social selling index. I bet you'll have some input on that. Hey, thanks for joining us here on BizLocker Radio. It's been great to have Mike on board. Again, Sales Management Simplified, the brand new book. You can see it right there on Blab, but you need to have a copy. And you think this conversation was good. We didn't even really break the ice much, much more there. Hey, we're going to take our last time out now. Come back on the other side. My good friend from Seattle, Miles Austin, will join me. You're listening to BizLocker Radio on Voice America. I'm Kelly Riggs. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. What a great episode, number 74. As we wind it down, we'll be joined in just a few minutes by Miles Austin. We'll do the X's and O's segment. But I got to tell you, we got some great shows lined up for you. And by the way, I mentioned early at the top of the show, go to iTunes, find the podcast. I've had Jeb Blunt on. I've had uh, Trish Bertuzzi on. I've had uh, so many big-time salespeople on, business leaders, those kinds of things. Mark Hunter last week, next week, Joe Polizzi, then Oren Clough, then Mark Robert, C- uh, CRO of HubSpot and the author of the Sales Acceleration Formula. Again, 
another one of those books that has jumped into my top ten immediately. Just a fantastic work, and uh, we're looking forward to having him back as well. But as we always do, each and every episode of uh, Biz Locker Radio, I'm joined by Miles Austin. He's the web tools guy. Find him at fillthefunnel.com. You'll want to follow him on Twitter as well, at Miles Austin. Miles, great to have you, man. How you doing? Thanks, buddy. Enjoying the conversation today. I always do from Mike, and uh, the book is excellent. Um, I've read it on Kindle. I've read the hard copy. I've got folded pages. Um, I might need to buy another copy because the uh, the pages are getting a little ragged on this one already. Hey, hey, look, because I do these shows with you every week. Mike doesn't know this, but I do. Mike, every time we get a new book, he puts those little sticky things on there to make it look like he's reading it. It's a it's a prop. He doesn't. <laughs> I just it's the same book. I just take the cover off. <laughs> That's great. Oh, hey, listen, uh, the X is a no okay, segment. Okay, I'm done. You're done. Yeah, yeah, you're fired. Hey, the X is a no segment is about uh, finding tools that work and, and things that make us more productive, whether we're salespeople or managers or leading businesses. And sometimes we get into some interesting topics. I'm really excited to talk about this one. It's the social selling index. Tell the audience what that is. Well, look, um, it it's another measurement. If you know anything about clout or cred, I kind of put the social selling index in the same general bucket with one exception. Social selling index is a measurement in theory of your effectiveness overall using social media in your sales role. But I say all that to say, great, and it's good to look at. It's good to know how to get it. I'll tell you that in just a second. The big difference, though, from all those others and this one is this is a product created by the team at LinkedIn in my opinion, to help you and encourage you to go buy their Sales Navigator product. Okay. So just keep that in mind. There is, um, the messaging is kind of subtle, but the bottom line is on the very bottom of the page is, hey, come sign up for Sales Navigator, which I am not a big believer in. I think it's a waste of money for 99% of the people out there. But anyway, so everyone should go look at it. It's fun to look at. It is informative. And how you find out what your SSI or your social selling index is, is you go to linkedin.com slash sales slash SSI for social selling index. Okay. And when you go there, it'll take a second. It'll do some calculations and all that. And it puts some really nice graphics on the screen. And again, what I always tell people is, look, you need to be aware of these. Use it as a tool to help you understand kind of overall where you're going. It also gives you some great measurements against the industry that you have self-chosen and the network of people you have. So, uh, and I'll, I'll go get into a little bit more in a second, but as an example, my industry that I've selected in my LinkedIn profile is the professional training and coaching industry, Right. So based on that decision that I make, it goes out and says, okay, everyone else that has that industry, let's go rank you against them. So in that case, it says I'm in the top 2%. Well, that's good of those people. It also then goes out and looks at my network. I don't know how many there are, 20,000 or whatever, within uh, LinkedIn. And it says of all of those people, I rank in the top 12%. So again, that's great to know. It also tells me in my network what the average of all of my connections are. The average in my network is 53 for a social selling index number. So it just kind of gives me a flavor for what I'm looking at as I 
am working within the social media and online segments. Um, it was what's intriguing to me, and I haven't very frankly done this yet, but you know me, Kelly, I, I'm always a doubter for these kind of what I believe are sometimes vanity metrics, is it's telling me I'm doing a pretty good job, but not great, right? It tells me I'm in the top 2% of my industry. What I'm going to go do in the next couple of days, I'll take screen capture and then go review it in a couple of days, I'm going to change the industry that I've picked on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, I, I'm in the professional training and coaching industry. What industry are you in, Kelly? Uh, I am currently listed in LinkedIn in the management consulting industry. Okay. So my point here is I don't know if that's going to ch- – I believe it will change noticeably um, at least my industry rankings. and the pe- It won't change the people in my network, but it will also change what percentage I am in my industry. I just want to see because I always love to find out are people able easily to game these kind of things as yeah, they you, are. Uh, yeah, you're just trying to see if your score could be higher than mine. I know what you're doing. You're let so transparent. It- let me make it really clear. It's not. I have it's not. All, it's not. For all of the people that are listening, I've got a score of 74. Yours, Kelly, is what? I think 76, 78, something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 78, a million, whatever. 85, 90, I, mean, I forget. Mike, have you, have you looked at yours? Yeah, of course, because you just told me how to do it. So <laughs> it's 76. But, you know, Miles, my question, and I love hearing you, I love that you're a doubter. Doesn't someone just take, is it biased by people that will connect with anybody versus, you know, because I'm sure they're looking at stuff, activity. There's people out there playing on LinkedIn or connecting with anyone. And then there's people today that are still holding to the old rules of be careful who you let in your network. And uh, frankly, I'm caught in the middle on that. I never know what to do. Yeah, well, you, and, and you, you make a great point, Mike, because if you look at there's four categories there in the middle of your SSI, the four categories are establish your professional brand, find the right people, engage with insights, and build relationships. Well, and those are all great categories, right? Those are important to anyone in business. And I look at my build relationships. I nailed it. I got 25 out of 25. Well, I, that's good because that's the business I'm in. My professional brand, I'm at 21 out of 25. So I've still got some work to do. The one that I'm the weakest in is finding the right people. My second worst is engage with insights. And I was telling Kelly off, off air before we got on here was that um, one of the decisions I made several months ago is I'm not publishing anything on LinkedIn, Pulse, or Publisher anymore. I, personally, it just goes against everything I'm trying to accomplish with my brand and my relationships. So it's a big piece. It's LinkedIn. Can remember that, right? So if I'm not publishing and, sh- quote, engaging with insights, and I'm not reading all the comments and all those things that everyone else is posting on LinkedIn, I have to be measured down in that category. So as long as I know that, then that's okay. I don't care, right? And probably the same, Mike, to your point, um, finding the right people. I, I don't know what – they haven't, obviously haven't published what the algorithms are on purpose. But in my opinion, that has to have an impact. And very frankly, um, I, I, I really don't care. Um, I was intrigued, and I think this is like all other of these measurements. If you've got a high score, you're going to publicize it. If you don't, you won't. Um, and, and I always smile when there's people saying, yeah, I've got a 98% social selling index score. Great. So where in the day-to-day business activity does your bank account and the income and the satisfied clients come into that? Or are you worried more about doing the finding the right people, engaging with insights and all the other things? 
Yeah, so let me take you there for a minute, Mike Weinberg, because clearly this is another one of those distractions or, or potentially can be a distraction for a sales team, an individual salesperson or a sales manager where we get so focused on the social side of things, content, content curation, media, social media, all that kind of stuff. That can really keep people from doing what they're paid to do, and that's produce results, right? Absolutely. Uh, I think social is a great tool and all the different aspects of social and all the platforms available to help us find prospects, connect with, connect with prospects, build relationships. But the folks who are on the extreme end of that world who tell us that traditional methods don't work anymore, don't you dare pick up the phone, don't prospect, spend all your time blogging. I mean, there's, there's social selling gurus, some of them I really like, uh, who, who are preaching that salespeople should be writing content all the time. Have you seen salespeople write? Do you, do you think every salesperson should be out there publishing blog posts? That's the craziest thing I ever heard. Forget how much time it would take. Most of them can't, couldn't write a blog post. So <laughs> there's, there's, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll let Miles address that. I mean, I think social's really big and really important, but it's become its own cottage industry, feeding on itself. And the charlatans and purveyors of the social selling Kool Aid will stop at nothing to sell you their solution and tell you how this is the only way to sell today. And we all know that is not the truth. Yeah. No, absolutely, guys. Look, I think all of us are in, in pretty much uh, um, aggressive agreement on that one. Look, it's, it's a part of the day-to-day activities. If you're good, if you have content, I know some really good salespeople that are creating really fantastic content. And they have different ambitions down the road than being a sales guy or gal all their life. Then, then it makes sense. Go develop the talent practice, if you will, do some writing, sharing some things, write an ebook, etc. But for most people, day-to-day in sales, they have no interest in that. So why go try to say, well, you got to go publish content, wherever you might have published it, write a blog post or LinkedIn Pulse. Why? Yeah, well, a couple of clarifications here. One is, is that we know that social media plays a role in marketing and attraction and building brand and identity. Very critical, and we all agree that they're good things. But if you just take one very small piece, Mike Weinberg, what would what'd you say your SSI score was? Uh, 76. 76. Well, mine is 78. Okay, so clearly I make more money than Mike. I've sold more books than Mike. No, absolutely not. In fact, both of his books have been bestsellers. Both of mine you can find on Amazon, two for a quarter. Uh, you know, it's, well, maybe not that bad, but still, I mean, it has no real correlation to the results that you create. It's just another tool that gets you where you want to go. And I think, Miles, that's exactly what you're trying to say. Absolutely. And you hit the point. Look, if you look at the bottom of your page on that social selling index, what does it say? Get Sales Navigator. Start your free trial. That's what this was done. It was created by the team, probably in marketing, using and driving the sales of Sales Navigator. Nothing wrong with that, guys. But you need to understand what the context is and where it's at. It is not an indicator of anything other than overall performance against your peers in an area that might or might not even be important to your career and definitely not tied directly to your sales results or your income. And that's not to say, Mike Weinberg, that uh, LinkedIn doesn't have a role. It doesn't play a big, important role in, in connections and even developing business. But this is more or less, a, a, and I agree with Miles, I think it's a, a marketing tool to help build sales of Sales Navigator. But LinkedIn still plays a role. Uh, I'm going to use Miles' term, which he just used. I love it. Uh, we're aggressively agreeing. 
it's mine. I love it. <laughs> you said that perfect. We agree. It, it, it's got a huge role. And there are sales stars that use LinkedIn out the wazoo, and it's a very powerful tool. But they also pick up the phone, and they also do all the other traditional things that have always made for good salespeople. And those folks that live all day surfing in LinkedIn groups and posting comments, I'd like to see how they're doing against their sales goal. Probably hey, not so well. Yeah, you bet. Miles, just about three minutes before we close out the show today. Uh, the question is asked, what, how is this like clout or cred? How do they differ? Are they all very much the same thing, or do they have separate goals that we're trying to achieve with each of those products? Well, look, they're, they're always in a state of flux. They're all mysterious in how they rank. Um, I think clout has been the most popular. It's, I think, I mean, they're not selling a tool, right? They're, they're, it's a service. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes with them. There's a monetation conversation going on, et cetera. Same with Cred. Cred is now doing all sorts of unique things with uh, Empire uh, Avenue and a bunch of other things as they merge together. But, again, the bottom line is it's important to decide what your goals are as an individual salesperson or as a leader in business. Decide what your goals are. Where do you want to go and how do you want to end up? And then lay out a plan to meet those goals. Don't follow these things because they can be a rat hole. And if you follow those kinds of guidelines to try to have a high whatever score, you're going to end up chasing the rabbit down the wrong rat hole or the wrong rabbit hole. And as a result, you're going to look around and be one of the guys that Kelly, both you and Mike talked about. You're going to be in a conversation with your boss somewhere going, uh, what would you like to do after this one? Because this job's not working out for you. <laughs> well, Mike Weinberg, it's a, it's a means to an end. It's not the end, right? I mean, that's probably the easiest way to say it. Absolutely. And Miles, Miles is, I mean, he's the foremost expert on this topic. And understanding the tools are really helpful as supplements. And, and the better the tool, the better we are. But that's not the, the complete answer. All right, Miles Austin, he is my co-host. When we get into the X's and O's segment every week, you want to know tools? This is the guy to see, fillthefunnel.com, and you're going to want to go back and listen to some of the episodes in the past. Uh, I, I am using so many productivity tools because Miles brought them to this show, explained to our audience how they work, and it has made me a lot better at what I do. He could do the same for you. Again, find the podcast at bizlockerradio.com. Find it at iTunes. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, at Miles Austin. Mike, before we cut you loose, what's the best way to find your book? Uh, well, it's available in several retailers, and it'll be in the Hudson booksellers and airports uh, come uh, early next year. But right now, probably Amazon, uh, you know, sales management simplified. Uh, and I thank thanks those who have uh, gone out and bought already. And I uh, thank you, Kelly, for your generous opportunity to visit with you and your audience today. <laughs> hey, hey, Miles, did you catch that? Well, you know, it's going to be available in airports, and it's in, it's in all the major retailers. I wonder if his SSI is going up. <laughs> No, he, he doesn't have SSI. He has SMS. What does that stand for? Sales Management Simplified. That's exactly Amen. right. Hey, that's going to wrap it up for episode number 74 in the can with Mike Weinberg. Thanks for joining us on Blab and all of you jumping in and, and interacting with us and asking questions. Really fantastic platform that we've begun to use, and I think we're going to continue to develop it. Hey, by the way, uh, next uh, two weeks from today, I talked a little bit uh, back in the first uh, show in October about a brand new sponsor we're bringing on board. They are going to start with us in November, and I'm really excited to talk about them. Rehearsal vrp.com, a video role play platform that salespeople and leaders and managers can use inside of their organizations. 
fantastic product. I'm excited to tell you all about that, so we're going to do that as well. Next week, we'll be joined by uh, Joe Polizzi. He's got a brand new book called Content Inc. Uh, he is the leader of Content Marketing uh, Institute. Orrin Clough, the week after that, Mark Robert's HubSpot will join us. He's their chief revenue officer. Hey, Miles, before you get away, give yep. me a little glimpse. You were talking about something, a little tool to use with Blab. Maybe we're going to talk about that soon. Absolutely. I just got access yesterday, um, still early release, of a plugin for anyone that has a WordPress site where it automatically takes all of your blabs that you're a host of and automatically imports them, embeds them wherever you decide to put them in a category or whatever within your, your WordPress site. So it takes all the, the uh, downloads and the uploads and the moving around. It does it all automated. So it's, uh, it's a real time saver for people that are starting to use Blab uh, to add value to their readers on their site. Yeah, great stuff. Hey, episode number 74, BizLocker Radio. Find us at bizlockerradio.com. Follow me. I'm your host, at Kelly Riggs. Love to have you on board as well. And we'll see you next Monday, as we always do, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Business Locker Room. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Biz Locker Radio with Kelly Riggs. For more compelling interviews and cutting-edge business content, make sure you join us here again next week. Biz Locker Radio airs every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 3 p.m. Central Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Biz Locker Radio is presented by the Business Locker Room. All rights reserved. Opinions expressed by guests on the show may not be the opinions of Business Locker Room Incorporated. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 